0: everybody, welcome back. This is Bitch Breathe and I am your host, Ricardia Bramley. So today is going to be part of a double episode. I had first intended for it to just be one and then realized I have so much to say about the subject that I feel I want to make two episodes of it. Today we're going to talk about raising a boy and I want to send a few things ahead about that. First of all, the way I talk or my experience has been rather comes from a very heteronormative background. So if you are moving in other gendered backgrounds, I would love to hear from you because I'm wondering if you ran into the same sort of stumbling blocks that I did or I and my family did sometimes or whether things actually played out in a very different way. So just to sort of send that ahead. And I have now a grown up boy, he's 21. So I shouldn't say boy, I should probably say young man. And that is the only child I've ever raised. So keep in mind that my experience is intensely personal. And even though I've spoken to a lot of my friends who all have a lot more children than I do, I can always only speak from this particular viewpoint. So keeping that in mind, let's dive right in. So back in the day, when I first was pregnant with my son, and I found out that he was a boy, I found out accidentally, I had asked the gyno not to tell me, but then she had somebody cover for her the next time. And that person just sort of blurted it out. So there I was, it's a boy, you know, you never know how you're going to react, because you're like, do you want a girl? Do you want a boy? And you don't really care, right? Because you just want a healthy kid. But when they said it's a boy, I was like, Oh, my God, that is so exciting. I'm so glad it's not a girl because I had so many issues with my mom, the whole mom and daughter thing. If you want to learn more about that, I think it's episode three of the podcast where I talk about those dynamics. But the mother of a boy, I was like, oh, I love that. But actually, I don't know anything about boys. How am I going to raise a boy? Like, I have no idea how to do that. And, you know, coupled with all the other questions that you have around raising a child suddenly, you really a kind of in for a free fall there, and that's certainly how I felt. But after a while, I was already in college at the time when my son was born, and even before, I started to realize that there's a certain responsibility, not just in raising children, but in raising a certain kind of child. So whether it's a boy, a girl, or anything identified in between, you're making not just a social impact, but a political one. And if there ever was a space where the personal becomes political, then I think it must be in raising our families, in our relationships certainly, but in raising our children specifically. And I'm going to do a double episode because this episode is going to be more about the personal interaction, the experience I had with my boy as a mom. And the second part of this double episode is going to be the political aspect of raising boys. So today I just want to talk about some of the little traps that I certainly ran into and the beauty of it all, just to sort of look at, okay, what does it mean to raise a boy as a mom in this sort of heteronormative context? And one of the most crucial steps I find in taking down inequality and genderism and sexism and all these things is indeed the idea of how we want to raise our children. But we'll get more into that, like I said, in the second episode. This one is about the social stuff. So my first point that seemed very pressing to me, maybe that's why it showed up here first on my list. I usually write these lists very stream of consciousness. I don't necessarily prioritize, not consciously anyway. But I wrote down here that boys with their moms are very charming and they can be very manipulative. If my son's listening right now, he's probably going to be like, ma, that's really mean. (laughs) How come you're saying that? But I wanted to say this from the uh, point of view as a mom myself, but also what I've noticed in the sons of my friends. And what is noticeable there is, think about it, you are now raising a son by a person who you very likely were very attracted to at some point in your life. Maybe you still are, depending on whether the fathers are still around or not. But here is a younger version or a combination of a younger version of this person you were very attracted to. Plus, again, if you're in a heteronormative context, you are uh, attracted to males. Now, please, God, I'm not saying you're attracted to your son, right? I got no edible agenda going on here. But just to sort of keep that in mind that you have this person, this growing person in the house who is going to start to understand how he can press your buttons and he's going to understand even more how to press them without your even noticing it. So I loved what Glennon Doyle said once in her book, Untamed. Get it, please, people, if you haven't read it yet. And She talks about how she noticed after a while when her son, and she has two other children, two uh, female ones, um, how he would say, no, I have to do homework, i got to study for exams, and he would be exempt from household duties. Whereas when the girls said they had something, they weren't necessarily. And I've noticed that that temptation comes around very, very quickly because boys or, or men are maybe, by their privilege, by their history, are so used to people taking things off their hands because they have important business to take care of. But we have important business to take care of, too, as moms, as females. And so to sort of not give in to this charming um, but manipulative behavior of, come on, mom, let me do this or let me do that and oh, I'll do it later. It's like, no, sometimes you have to come down on these boys even harder because they can just somehow weasel their way out. I mean, they're cute, they're charming. Maybe they even have have a way about them that is just very loving. All those things are beautiful. There's nothing wrong with it. But know that if we give into these sort of charming little behaviorisms and... Manipulations, you've got yourself a narcissist in the making. You know, we often think narcissists are people, maybe they came from bad homes or, you know, they weren't treated well, they didn't get enough attention as children. I'm going to be very honest, I'm not a psychologist, but from my personal point of view, that's not what I've seen. Narcissists were made because their parents, and I'm afraid because women are still mostly the caregivers, mostly women, spoiled them rotten. They let them get away with murder. So by the time this guy arrives at your doorstep, they're used to getting their way because mom, mostly, sorry, we got to put this thing on ourselves in part, mom let him get away with it. And maybe dad wasn't there or didn't know how. But he also didn't interfere enough for this dynamic to be disrupted. So knowing our boys are charming, maybe we even think they're very handsome young men and they're going to go out there and be really successful. But they also could get very, very narcissistic if we let them get away with so many things. And I've seen it time and time again. I've noticed it in myself. I'm like, wait a second, why am I emptying the dishwasher? Because he needs to get outside, get some fresh air skating. No, you empty the dishwasher with me and then you go skating. Because maybe I want to go rollerblading, something I totally enjoy. And there's no reason why he shouldn't have to do that. And I do. So that was part number one of my observations. Another thing that I thought about because I meandered around the topic so much was the topic of spirituality. I think as women, we have easier access, or we've been raised to have easier access to the topic, and a lot of times we find that men or boys aren't really that interested, or they don't seem to be that interested, or it's not cool, it's not masculine, whatever it is. And I'm not saying to impose our spiritual beliefs onto our boys, or children in general, or anybody, right? But to keep the door open for it, to not naturally assume that because he's a boy, he's not going to be interested, he's going to think it's stupid or dumb or whatever. Those comments can come, and I'll have you know that I did experience that. My son is totally not into it. But to always keep the door open that maybe they are, and that even if it's not spirituality that guides their conduct, that guides their interaction with other people, to at least let them be conscious in their interaction with others. So let's say they don't believe in any particular deity or in the universe and its intelligence and all these things that my son particularly thinks is totally voodoo, but to use our own spirituality then maybe to guide their conscious behavior, to expect them to have this sensitivity towards other people. And I know this is where we often run into this comment of like, you don't want them to be a a wuss. You don't want them to be like all softy and stuff. No, of course not. But to be honest, I'm a female. I don't want to be a wuss. I don't want to be too soft when I need to stand up for myself. It doesn't matter how we identify. Nobody wants to be a wuss and nobody is automatically a wuss because they show feelings. So just to keep in mind that even if we can't sort of find any spirituality in them or they can't find it in them yet, much more importantly, to know that we do have the opportunity to keep the door to it open and to let them understand that conscious behavior even if we don't want to call it spirituality, is a necessary guide and compass for our behavior with ourselves, first and foremost, and with others. And then I thought about the role of the father, right? Some of them are missing, some of them are present. So how are we interacting with our sons, depending on what our opinion and our relationship with their fathers is? So, for example, if the father is missing, if he's not around, for whatever reason, it's very important that we know how we feel about the father. Whether the children have contact with the father or not, that, of course, is going to also make an impact. But what is mostly, I'm afraid, making the impact is how we as moms feel about the father, And the risk here is that if there is resentment, if there's anything that we are bothered by with the father, whether he still lives with us or not, that we project that onto the child. I hope not, but maybe it can happen that we say stuff like, oh, my God, you're just like your father. I mean, you can't reproach this kid because you chose his father and this father has this and this shortcoming, right? I mean, we've all probably done it, but it's just like to sort of keep checking ourselves for the kind of projections we put onto our sons because of how we feel about the father. The same goes if the father is present, for example, and has an opportunity and the joy really in participating fully in the raising of this boy child to make them spend lots of time with each other, to understand that being a dad, for the kid to understand and the dad obviously also, that this is not a part-time job, that in fact, if you are just going to let your wife, your ex-girlfriend, in any case, the mother of your children, if you are going to let her do this alone, if you're going to allow that to happen, think about that, there's a responsibility here. If you are going to allow that to happen, know that she will do this in her way and how she can do it. Hopefully she has other support, other influences, uncles, coaches, whatever, male identified or other, it doesn't matter. But if it's only her doing the raising of this kid, then it's only her perspective in there. And do you really want that? I mean, everybody carries the male and female energy. It's not like a woman or a man can't do this by themselves and raise a balanced child. But I think it's clear that if you as the father, who participated in the creation of this person, then pulls himself out of the creative process of raising this child, you're really putting him at risk because not only does he grow up without the father and, and your influence, your energy, he's also not going to value the input of a male figure who raises him very much. He might think you're disposable or that... Your opinions don't really matter or the way you view the world is not really relevant to him. Do you really want that? And then as a mother, the same thing. If there's any way that you can make this co-production between you and the father of the child, know that this is a way to really impact the child and to let him see how men, how fathers, can influence a child's life right that it's not just women who are given the responsibility of having messed the whole thing up <laughs> just in case somebody gets that idea because why should women take all the blame for what's going wrong in society for raising all these um you know spoiled boys or boys who are neglect or whatever it's like women wouldn't have to do this by themselves if the fathers didn't consider this a part-time job or even just a donation at the beginning of the creative process right No, we all have responsibility to pull ourselves into here. Missing fathers, fathers who aren't living in the home, doesn't matter. Have a stake in the raising of your boy. And this piggybacks onto my last point for us women. And this is something I noticed because I had two different partners in raising my son. His father first, whom I was with for a longer time, and then his stepfather, who I was with even longer. And so I had the contrast. And I noticed that our sons will treat us the way our partners do. If your partner speaks to you disrespectfully, this was more the case in my second longer relationship. I made it a point, especially when my son was right there, I made it a point to say, do not speak to me in that way, especially in front of my child. Do not ever disrespect me like that. I'm raising a boy. This is a huge responsibility don't give that kind of example. And I came down on my partner at the time, really, really hard the first time it happened because I felt so strongly about it, right? Because the boys, they're watching. They're watching out for a few things. They're watching out, do I need to protect my mom? They're watching the man, is he getting away with it? They're watching the power structure between you. And conversations are great, apologies are great, explanations are great, but these are all verbal. And the cues they're really taking are the actionable ones, the ones that we're doing, the ones that we're living. And I know you know all this, lead by example and all that, but when things get hot and heavy with the partner, when things aren't going so well maybe, know that they are watching and watching closely both of you. And the reverse is true also, right? If you have a very loving relationship, a respectful one, Not only do they watch that too, but they feel so safe. And they're going to seek out that safety for themselves. So that's the beautiful thing about when you do get along, when you are able to solve conflicts in a peaceful way. Maybe you're into the whole nonviolent communication thing. How wonderful. Because here's your son, and he's going to want to recreate that safety for himself, for his family. And if he has children one day, he'll be able to provide that for his children. And we'll get more into that whole ancestral thing and how we can really make an impact on society as a whole just by that, right? The next thing is, as the first and for a very long time, the most important woman in his life, regardless of where he ends up on the gender spectrum or preference-wise, right? It's important that we as mothers know our power. By nature, there's always a power structure, right? And not to make this a whole wolf pack analogy, or maybe I will, but to know that the power is always up for grabs. And if you don't take it, the boy will, children will in general. And especially, however, when it happens with a boy, you have now begun to create a nuclear situation of larger society. So the boy sort of taking over the power Even thinking sometimes he has to protect you, maybe you lost your job and you're really upset. I know this happened to me, I'm going to be very honest, way too often because I raised my son many years by myself. I would show the full spectrum of how upset I was or scared. And afterwards, I would feel so guilty because I knew I had gone too far. A child does not need to witness this much. It's okay to say you're scared, maybe there's some tears. But don't give them the full spiel of the problems you're facing right now. And here's why I went super wrong sometimes. And I've been given that feedback from my son as the years went by. And certainly now that he's a a young grown up is to not confuse them with our partners. And I know we all know that and that it happens anyway. But just to understand the kind of power and in this case, negative power we're wielding. Right, because now we're manipulating them into consoling us, taking on this problem, relieving us of our pain, our worries, whatever. Take that power back, go somewhere else with it and leave them out of the picture for this. Again, I'm not talking about hiding emotions. I'm talking about the kind of power our emotions have over our children and to be very, very conscious of how much of that power we want to wield. But then if we're talking about power, In the positive way to let our sons know that we have it and a lot of it as women especially to really show them that we stand up for ourselves that we don't take shit lying down (laughs) standing up lying down and to really show them that power can absolutely be defined female right so sort of knowing both sides of this power and understanding how we can wield it and the very last one of this episode. Empathy, empathy, empathy. I know this is a word that is thrown around at an inflationary rate, but the truth is we're all still lacking tons of it. I've met so many men who are not even bad guys, you know, it's not like good cop, bad cop thing, but they they don't understand what's going on emotionally. They they even try sometimes to understand why is she crying now? Why is this situation so much bigger than, let's say, what happened last Tuesday? What is it? And it's like they, they're missing the vocabulary, the actions, and the deep understanding of what is going on with this other person on an emotional or energetic level. So what can we do about that? Because that is a huge problem. And especially with the pandemic now and everybody living in isolation, these kids aren't even getting a chance to practice the emphatic interaction with other people. They're not even getting the opportunity. So now what do we do? This isn't such a new tool, but it's one I think we have to be so much more conscious of right now is that to keep inviting them to share their feelings. As females, this is something I think where we do have an easier life, we're always invited by each other to share our feelings. And even if not, we just sort of go and share them anyway, right? So we've created for each other, hopefully, a culture where sharing feelings is mostly okay. It's often negatively connoted because, oh, women, you know, so many emotions, whatever. But at least we do get to have them, right? We've we've been given... Uh, the, the privilege by each other to do that, to open up the space. But for men, for boys, not so much. So especially at this time, to keep asking them, not just what did you do today, but how did that make you feel? Or how did that make this other person feel whose interactions you watched or were a part of? And to constantly invite this. And again, I know a lot of, especially men, I have to say, come At this particular part from, oh, my God, do we all have to be women now? I'm not even going to dignify that whole argument with a comment other than that's not the point. It's not a point about being female or male, especially in this more gender fluid time right now. Really, who's interested that much anymore? I mean, in terms of we have to be interested to move things forward politically and to make a safe environment for all the genders on the spectrum, right? But beyond that, I don't want to have this conversation anymore of, oh, this is going to be a wuss and she's too emotional. It's like, enough already. Let's just keep that out of the discussion. So to really understand that the more we invite them to feel and to be okay with having these feelings, the more empathy they will have. And if they're going to be, and a lot of them will be, future leaders, how great when we have a whole new generation and those that follow that have empathy, that bring empathy to their work and to their personal relationships. All righty, so that was part one of the Raising a Boy episodes. I hope it was helpful to you. I'd really love to hear from you, especially if you're the mothers of boys or male-identified children. I always think it's so helpful to have an exchange about how we raise our children and how we feel the responsibility of doing so. I'm hoping you're well. I hope you are coping all right in this time and speak to you next time. Sending love.